two best friends. One podcast. What's the worst that could happen? Now you sound like the stupid one. Welcome to Stupid by Nature, your go-to podcast for exclusive interviews, sports, entertainment, entertainment, and so much more. Now, introducing the ugliest hosts in the business, Noah Taylor and Austin Douglas. Welcome to Stupid by Nature, a.k.a. the podcast of the jungle. We are live in Atlanta, Georgia. That's right, at Peachtree Studios. It's quite roomy in here, isn't it, Noah? Yeah, you can say that again. It's quite roomy in here, isn't it? (laughs) I'm kidding. Mm. Uh, Jokes aside, the whole process of finding a studio and agreeing on a price was just so surreal. Uh, It has just been a blessing to be here with my best friend and uh, doing what we love. Sitting inside Stupid by Nature HQ, you're right. It just feels incredible to finally be able to say that I really am being joined by my best friend and co-host, Noah. How's it going? Well, Austin, uh, that's none of your beeswax. Uh, Today, we have a sensational guest. I have a feeling you're all going to... Uh, Let's leave the guest introduction work to me, okay? I wasn't going to say his name. I was just going to... No, you were going to give it away. So we'll we'll introduce him when we get closer to that segment. Okay. We've got a tremendous episode in store for you today. We were driving over to the new studio today, and I think I've decided from this episode on, I'm just... Uh, he's he's going to... This guy, this guest, he's been causing a lot of buzz in his industry lately. What did I just tell you? How about we just get on with the Know About It With Noah segment? Yeah, let's do that. Well, that's great news because I've got a fun fact for you all today that is simply unbelievable. Listen to me. You will follow the rules or you will be canned and I will replace you like that. Jeez. All right. Sorry, man. I was just really excited about this episode. It's okay. I forgive you. I really really didn't mean to bug you. Okay. So let's just know about it with Noah. Uh, since we are talking bees today, um, I wanted to do something a little different with our fun fact today. Uh, we did a little bit of this last week, but I'm going to be discussing a film that, well, really just kind of paints the picture of the life of a bee and their contributions to society and our environment. Um, <clears throat> this is a movie that I think our guest today is, is he probably learned a lot from this movie himself. Uh, it's the Bee Movie. That's the name of it. Bee Movie. Uh, which was released all the way back in 2007, starring our favorite comedian, Jerry Seinfeld, and, of course, the beautiful Renee Zellweger. Um, Jerry Seinfeld plays the animated Barry the Bee. He just graduated college, and this guy, he's not into working in the honey industry. Okay, so he wants to leave his hive. Uh, He wants to get out in the world, man. He wants to find out what the world is all about, look for other opportunities out there. So in the real world, it, it, that's where he meets his first human, the really hot Renee Zellweger, huh? Lucky him, huh? Um, anyway, he finds out that the humans are stealing and eating all of the honey. So in the end, uh, Barry Seinfeld finds his calling. He decides to fight for justice, protect the honey, and really just the rest of the bees. But um, I'm telling you guys, this is a really, really good film. It has it all. Uh, comedy. It'll make you laugh. If you enjoyed Seinfeld, you'll really enjoy this movie. 
it'll make you cry. A lot of emotional scenes, just some real tear jerkers. And on top of all that, it's just a beautiful story. I highly recommend you take your kids to go see this. Get the family together. Make a Saturday out of it. You will not regret it. It's one really the whole family can enjoy. And uh, Renee Zellweger is always easy on the eyes, too. So You said the movie came out in 2007? Yep, 2007. That's over a decade old. How could people take their families to go see that? Great movie, guys. Barry, um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld gave us our daily dose of vitamin B with this one, and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, You know, last week, of course, we touched on movies with Ed a little bit. But I guess by the time that we reach Ed's age, which will probably be 2078, this movie, without a doubt, is going to be labeled a classic. Sounds like you're putting it up there with Star Wars, eh? (laughs) No, I said it was a classic, not a colossal waste of time. If anything, it's going to be compared to a children's version of The Dark Knight. Batman movies have been done so many times. We already know Bruce Wayne's story. He doesn't even have a superpower. He's got a brilliant IQ, and he's well-versed in multiple fighting styles, okay? So he's just a buff, rich guy who happens to be smart? You know what? At least it's more believable than Star Wars. I mean, do you really expect the audience to sit there and believe that a little frail green man who can't even get his words in order is capable of anything worth writing home about? Let's just let's just go to commercial. Kevin, can we cut? Can we go to <sighs> Another week and nothing to do. <gasps> What's this? Introducing Puzzling Pete, the board game chock full of surprises with twists at every turn. It's fun for the whole family. Throw that board game in the dumpster and head on over to the Bearskin Lounge. It's the hottest nightclub on the planet. Oh, yeah. Home of the Bear Brothers, our all-male suggestive dance team. Got an extra Ben Franklin burning a hole in your pocket? Upgrade to VIP and join us in the Bear Cave to become an honorary Bear Cub for the evening. The Bearskin Lounge. Be a gentleman. Join the club. Welcome back to Stupid by Nature. We're getting ready to be hosting a man who makes his living milking bees for that sweet, sweet honey nectar. And here are the fast facts. He's a 20-year-old, third-generation bee expert who's been in the bee biz for most of his life. Formerly an employee with the University of Florida before taking his own bee compound of sorts. His grandfather is in the Agricultural Hall of Fame for inventing an improved version of the Beetle Blaster, which is a form of trap that Logan will speak about in just a second. Uh, Hard to believe that there is so much to know about bees, isn't there, Austin? You already did the bee-leave pun earlier. Must have forgot. Uh, Just so many puns. Are we just going to repeat everything we say on this show now? I mean, why do anything new? Look, man, it's no big deal. I doubt anybody even... uh, Uh, Who writes this horse... Okay. How about we bring Logan out for the Talking with Strangers segment, huh? Uh, That should work. That should work. Uh, Talking with Strangers, everybody. It's that time to speak your mind. There's no danger. It's really nothing major. 
Okay, guys, we're live with Logan Cuts. As we mentioned before, a third-generation bee farmer and probably bee activist as well with a steel trap overflowing with information about those beloved bees, which is sort of how I'm going to transition into my first question. What is it that makes you so passionate about bees? Hey, guys. Um, well, thanks for having me. And uh, first, I want to say I, I do work for the state of Florida, and you know these are my personal accounts and opinions and none of these are affiliated with any state entity but uh the thing that got me so passionate about bees is you know being around my granddaddy he was he was so passionate about it and you know it's it's really hard to not include god in it because he made them so complex and you know so amazing you know he created a small creature so profoundly complex and also you know they're imperative to almost every ecosystem. I mean, so many things about them are so amazing that there's, you know, no way that there isn't a divine artist behind it. I mean, they have five eyes, one that sees the sunlight and, you know, the other two that see obviously objects and the other two see color. And then the fifth eye also helps them like have an idea of where the location of the hive is. And then their eyesight is actually shifts to the right. So they can't even see the color red, but they see UV lights, which helps them see like nectar and pollen that give off this UV radiation and an almost Mountain Dew color. And that really helps them, you know, pinpoint where that food source is at. And they're also really good at temperatures, which they detach their wings and kind of flutters. And that helps them regulate the temperature of the hive. And as a super organism, they actually have the same respiratory, like inhale, exhale as a small cat. And then they keep it at it almost at 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And so, you know, something so, so small, but yet so complex is just so fascinating. It's so easy to be really passionate about something like that. Hey, Logan, it's Noah here. Um, how would you describe a typical work day on your bee farm? Well, to do that, I, you know, I have to list three key things. You know, it's really fast paced. It's, it has to be really precise and it's really based on your seasonal location. So, you know, like w the first one, you know, you got a lot of bees to check in a short amount of time. So you're like working through them as, as fast, as fast, as fast as possible. And then, you know, the precision part, every beehive is different. You got to know exactly what you're doing and you got to make sure you got to get to the problem. And, you know, there's so many different scenarios that could happen. And then your location, I mean, people in Australia are chasing like 12 different honey flows, whereas people in Asia are more specifically focused on one or two main things. And then here in the States, I mean, it really depends on if you're in Florida where we never have a, a winter, so there's always something blooming, or maybe you're up north. And then you're like working really hard at like a few weeks out of the year. And then the rest of the time, your bees are basically in a barn trying to withstand the cold. But uh, the, the average day is like, you know, really, really hard. There's no there's no easy way out in beekeeping. Well, Logan, when you were in school, were your parents more impressed when you brought home all bees? <laughs> No, uh, you know, my parents really pushed me, but, uh, you know, they, they never tried to force beekeeping on me. You know, 
granddaddy being the man who he is in the industry and me being a, a fifth generation, that was obviously something they would be proud of. Me and my cousins are fifth generation, but, uh, you know, they never, they never pushed bees on us. They, they allowed us to, you know, open up, do our own stuff, but certainly, you know, uh, I know my dad and my granddad and, you know, all my family's pretty proud of who I've become and, you know, who my cousins have become. So, Logan, your grandfather invented the bee, uh, beetle blaster. Um, can you take a moment to describe to our listeners what exactly a beetle blaster is and maybe give us some insight as to the contributions your grandfather made to the uh, bee biz? Yeah, so great question, Noah. Um, so a beetle blaster is like this small plastic, almost like cylinder-looking thing that fits in between two frames. It has a black top and a clear plastic bottom that hangs in between the two top bars. And so you fill it up with vegetable oil and then apple cider vinegar. And the vinegar attracts the beetle and then the vegetable oil kills it. And the biggest thing about it is, is, you know, it, it's safe to use. There's no pesticides involved. And, uh, you know, it's everyday things like vinegar and vegetable oil that go into it. And the small hive beetle is a very big problem because the adult, it likes to eat the stores, the honey, the pollen. Whereas when its larvae are introduced into the hive, they go after the brood and they eat all the baby bees. And then whatever they crawl on produces this yeast that fermentates the honey. And then you got a hive that's losing its brood. And then you got to also, the same hive has inedible honey. I mean, it's wasted. And so that is a, that is an amazing trap my grandfather made that it, the bees actually push the beetles into it sometimes. So the bees have adapted themselves to use it. And, uh, you know, that's not the only thing my granddaddy's done. I mean, he's gone to so many different countries teaching them, you know, better ways to manage their bees. And say he goes to like a third world country, he also teaches them how to use the bees as a protein source to eat the brood to, to you know, stay alive and how... You know, his contributions across the world and teaching people and uh, even people in the United States. I mean, when the small hive beetle came out, he was the first man of um, a position. He was the chief inspector that saw it. So everybody across the world came to him and were asking him questions on, you know, how he would do something or what he would do. And at the moment, you know, he had no idea what he was looking at he was just the man that saw it first and knew just a little bit about it so then he became the expert and you know i mean he he's gotten into that position by one failing because when the tracheal mite came to florida it really destroyed his operation and destroyed his business and he was you know he was almost down to the last few hives and his last few customers because he sold to Canada, the Caribbean, China, and then Canada had an embargo against Florida bees because of the tracheal mite. And, you know, he bounced back somehow and uh, he got the inspector job when the Varroa mite hit and he helped Florida bounce back from that. And the Varroa mites just continue to be a problem. And uh, he's, he's helped the new bee lab get built for research. And, you know, he's the only uh, person, the only beekeeper in the Ag Hall of Fame, and uh, he's just a guy that knows so much about bees and has contributed so much. I mean, it's I got really big shoes to fill. 
Well, that you do. And they say you fill your shoes as you grow older, which kind of is a my segue to this. Did you always love bees when you were growing up? And if not, what age did you develop a love for what you do? Well, you know, growing up around it, I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, not to pick up on some things and uh, watch your family do it. And that definitely intrigued me. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they, you know, they never pushed it. But uh, just being around it at such a young age and um, watching everybody, I can't really say the age I started in. I just kind of like stumbled into it gracefully because of, you know, my, my family always doing it and, you know, always being around it. Uh, Logan, when you're traveling somewhere, do you always make a beeline for your destination? Yeah, I, I guess so. You know, you, you try to um, try to take the shortcut. Well, if someone out there stumbles across a beehive, and it's perhaps in a place where they could potentially harm others, like a public park or at their house, what would be the appropriate measures to take to handle this situation in a way that both protects the bees and the person involved? Well, one, I would say, you know, don't try to be a hero, you know, you know, stand back, leave them alone. You know, if you don't mess with them, they don't mess with you. You know, please don't try to be a bee whisperer because I promise you it's not going to work out the way you think it is, especially if it's, you know, an established colony there that have comb and brood and honey to protect, and especially their queen. But like if they're a relocating group of bees, that's called a swarm. They most likely won't threaten you if you engage them, like trying to put them in a bee box or something. But, you know, the best way for you to handle that situation is to Google FDAX DPI, which is Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, Division of Plant Industries, and look up Apiary. There you'll find your local inspector who can find a local beekeeper that's qualified for the job of removal of the bees. Or you could even visit the FSBA, the Florida State Beekeepers Association. And there you can find county clubs that you could call and possibly some like the president or the vice president or someone that could get in contact with their people and, you know, find a beekeeper that's right there close to the hive. And it probably is their hive if they're that close to it. You know, they weren't on top of it and the hive split in two and the queen left and found that part there. But, I mean, bees smell pheromones, so if you're afraid, if you're wearing a lot of cologne, try to stay away from it as far as, as far as you can because they don't like cologne, and certainly the person that's most afraid is the person that they're going to go after first. You know, speaking of messing with bees and everything, Logan, um, do you feel that General Mills is exploiting bees by putting a honeybee on the boxes of Honey Nut Cheerio cereal? Um, well, one, they got it wrong because the bee that goes get getting the honey is a girl, not a guy. So I kind of got it mixed up. But, you know, as any type of positive on bees, I think it's a really good thing. So speaking of guy bees, um, the bee movie, have you seen that? And if so, what did you think about it? Is it accurate depiction of bees? And what did you think of Renell Zegweger, uh, Renell Zegweger's uh, performance in that movie? Well, I actually wasn't allowed to watch that movie because um, it was just an awful depiction of bees and it had ev- almost everything about them backwards. I mean, one, bees aren't confused on what they're going to do. 
they uh, they know by instinct and by age of what their job is throughout their life. And then this this beekeeper was made out to be like this evil guy, I guess. But uh, the smoke that they use, I I think from what I know about it, they depict it as like this hallucinogen or they're coughing and they're they don't know what's going on, but Really, the smoke just covers up any types of smell that I'm putting off and what they're putting off. So it just like keeps everybody in like this calm state where it's like they can't smell any type of defense pheromone. So they're just kind of chilling. I mean, it doesn't like, you know, get in their lungs and cause lung cancer or anything. So, you know, beekeepers tend to not really like that movie. And there's, I mean, I could probably, if I watched it, I could pick, you know, a lot more different stuff about it that's wrong. But, uh, the funny thing is, my granddaddy, I guess, got really excited, and we're going to take a lot of us to go see it. But as soon as it started, he like walked us all out. <laughs> so walk out, and I guess it's probably well deserved. Sticking it to Hollywood, and I would say maybe you kind of stung him a little bit with that one. But anyway, uh, you know, we'll kind of we'll kind of fly on by here. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners before we let you go today, Logan? Yeah, one, I want to thank you all for letting me be on here. And, you know, two, the biggest thing that's against bees at the moment is ignorance. You know, that's the bees' biggest enemy. That's why they're dying so much is people are ignorant enough to think that they know it all and they can just dive into something. But bees are really fragile. They're really complicated. Please don't get a beehive unless you absolutely know what you're doing or you have, like, a professional like myself or a master beekeeper or a researcher by your side to like guide you along through it. And, you know, let's, let's save the bees and, you know, support your, your universities like the university of Florida, university of Georgia, Clemson and Oregon state and Maryland. They're doing such wonderful things for the bees, you know, working to find a cure for the things that ails them. So, you know, look things up on how you can volunteer with them and, and help them out on their projects. It's definitely something cool and exciting to do. Again, I want to thank you guys for having me on here. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show, Logan, and really dispensing. Really good job, Logan. The, well, Logan, we just can't thank you enough for coming out here. And we got to have you. I, for one, really learned a lot. That's, that's enough. That's enough. There you have it, guys. Logan Cuts. Be extraordinaire. Thanks for coming, Logan. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. We'd like to thank Logan for giving us some of his precious time today. Hopefully the bees didn't miss him too much. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure he left them in trusted hands. Um course i kind of wish he went into the b movie a little bit more i think it's a better movie than he described and he didn't really say how renee zellweger did um she was phenomenal but anyway we'd also like to thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode of stupid by nature i'm so happy i could do this with my best friend don't forget to follow us on social media for the updates as they happen in real time. Did you love the show? Did you hate it? Tell us on Twitter and Instagram at SBNatureCast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StupidByNatureCast. And if social media is not for you, uh, you can find us on our website. It's www.StupidByNaturePodcast.com. 
where you can also catch the latest episodes, any episodes you might have missed. And of course, we're always available on iTunes and Google Play. This is Stupid by Nature signing off at Peachtree Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. I'd like to give a special shout out to the realtor that blessed us with this magnificent opportunity, Richard Chaser with Chaser Realty. Thanks again for listening. Good night and good luck. Hey, look, I'm sorry again about the whole thing earlier. Uh, Maybe there was another B pun I could have done. I need a drink. I'll see you next week.